Hello, welcome to Humatech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. My name is Guthrie. I'm here with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hi, Guthrie. All right, we did it. We have the spiel. We're official. You want to kick us off? Okay. Well, um, we 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 had talked a little bit before we went before earlier today, and talked about what today's topic might be. Sometimes we decide on our topic a couple days ahead of time. Sometimes just an hour or two before. This was one of those. So I don't even know how this came up, but I was just thinking about, you know, all the people that are switching jobs. If you looked, I I had made the comment to someone the other day that on my LinkedIn feed, it's mainly, oh, I'm so excited to say that my new position is, or after, you know, seven wonderful years with this company, I'm going to be moving on, you know. Yes, seven uh, wonderful years. You mean like after no, no, 12 I, months? No, no. Oh, my, yeah, my network's a little months. younger. It's a lot of, It's not you know, seven years. It, no. We all know that there's a lot of people moving around. And I, I suppose since I'm talking to an economist, that's you, Guthrie, you, we could probably talk about the whole economic zeitgeist that's causing that to happen. But, um, and maybe you want to do that. But I was thinking about the whole decision-making process because on the from the from the individual's point of view, you know, people I know people are being recruited heavily, and there's for many people, not everyone. There's a lot of opportunities coming up, and so they're going through this thought process: Do I stay where I am? Do I switch? So that's one piece. And you know me, psychologist, I'm always interested in the psychology of that. And then there's the other side of it, because, you know, we do consulting with with uh, teams and we work with people who are like, uh, you know, I don't want to lose any, you know, I, I really don't want to lose any staff. What can I do to retain the people that I have? And so there's there's that that side, the employer side, who doesn't want to lose people, and then there's the individual side of getting interesting offers. So I just was thinking about some of the things I know about you know what motivates people, um, and I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about that. I don't know, maybe from both sides. I was thinking of it more from the employer side. You know, how can you retain the people you have that you don't want to lose? Is there anything that you can do from a psychology motivational aspect to help them make the decision to stay? Um, so anyway, that's what I thought we'd talk about today. And if any of you guys uh, are listening in and want to um, join in with your thoughts or comments uh, as we do this uh, live on LinkedIn, um, please feel free to do that. So Guthrie, is that what you thought we were going to talk about? Yes. Okay. And where do you want to start? Do you have a particular place you want to dive in? Um, I suppose we should start just by um, a, li- a little basic economics on a on sort of a macro level. Hey. Uh, employment oh. law. And All right. I, go ahead. I have you. taken master's levels uh, in employment law economic courses. So I am... While not an expert, I have a little bit. You of have a little bit of insight. Okay, go ahead. Um, the first is that 
not very many people uh, work in the United States. It's something that um, those people who people who are working and who are you know um, have a lot of friends in in the you know and who are working don't think about very often. Um, so there's a there's a number in the United States called the per- participation rate. Have you ever heard of the participation rate? Maybe. It's the, basically what percent of the people in the country are participating in working, participating yeah. in the labor economy would be another, yeah. the labor market, sorry, not labor, la- yeah. labor market. Now, people don't participate for all sorts of reasons. Maybe you're two years old and uh, you're a little young to be working at, you know, as a toddler. Maybe you're 92 years old. Maybe you're 92 years old, then you're, you're retired. Uh, maybe you are a stay-at-home parent and you just don't want to work. Maybe you are disabled and on the on disability. Um, maybe you are going to school. So there are um, so there are many permanent reasons why uh, a person may or not may or may not be permanent. In- you mean these are just tend to be there, not not having to do with permanent. The particular- let's just say multi years with no it, plans to enter the workforce. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Whereas someone who is a student, for example. That is a, uh, in theory, uh, a med- I guess I'll call it a medium term. Yeah, so people might have long, long-term gaps or they may just have a short-term gap. Well, yes, and well, medium term, right? I, I am going to school, but then after, I'm only not working because I'm in school and once I'm done with school, then I'm, I'm going to go work. work. Yeah. Uh, okay. Versus I, you know, I um, am retired and I plan on never working again. Yeah, gotcha. And then there are short-term gaps. In- yeah. How people works right so some people move and they you know they, they take a pause some people go on maternity leave some people of course quit and get hired somewhere else okay um, so there are all sorts of reasons why people are uh, changing jobs and circumstances changing and moving and shifting and uh, uh changing roles so just even even without some of the more i don't know i guess i'll say trendy uh reasons why people are yeah which which we will we can talk about about you know dissatisfaction and the pandemic and you know there there are you know like i said a whole host of reasons um but but if but if we move just you know beyond that um that level of analysis and we just stick with putting that aside people still um there will be some mix in employment naturally. By mix, you mean? Uh, pe- people are moving around. People are, mo- you know? are always moving around. People are always moving around. Um, and so there are lots and lots and lots of, uh, e- even if everyone was 100% happy with their job. Um, there still might be moving around. Although there's a lot there of moving, lots of moving around, but there's a and, lot of moving around going on now. Is that that is true? That has been documented. And by the way, just to give you a sense, in the United States, the um, uh, labor participation rate is in the 60s, sort of in the 60s. Is that low or 60%. is that high? It just is. I mean, is that lower than it's been or higher than it's been recently? It's a little lower than it's been. Um, okay. There is a. Uh, there's another economic indicator 
um, called, uh, it, which is participation for 25 to, I think it's 64 year olds, yeah, it's kind of the which prime would be, which, which is considered, yeah, prime employment yeah. aid. And, um, yeah, that, that, uh, that particular, um, metric is maybe a better sort of indicator. And do you know what that is right now in the U S um, yeah, that that's in, that's in the nineties. Oh, it kind of varies okay. in upper eighties you know, okay. lower nineties. So I, obviously the pandemic has led to a dip. There are other reasons, um, that, that have dipped, uh, millennials in particular have had some trouble ever since the great recession, um, where some people, when that happened, when the great recession hit, um, they fell out of the workplace and, um, they just never recovered. They ne they're having a hard time getting, and it was growing. You know, ever since two thousand eight, the you know it was growing, it was growing, it was growing, and it was it was almost sort of back to where it was. And then there was the pandemic, and so yeah, it's possible some people may have dropped out of the workforce and will never <clears throat> reenter. All right, I have a question for you. This thing that we're seeing of a lot of moving around, uh, you know, quitting. Let, let's 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 focus in on. I would like to focus in on yeah. for a bit the people who are it. not just leaving and not coming back in, but the people who are just switching jobs. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing a lot of that going on. Mm -hmm. Is that a US centric thing or is that well, happening worldwide or what's you're, your you're getting, you're getting towards perhaps the edge of, you know, what of, I, of your I uh, current, what you're currently on. I just wondered, I just wondered, but I mean, we can just, we know it's true in the U.S. Uh, maybe if people are listening, they could, and they're not from the U.S., maybe they can <laughs> chime in on what they think is going on in other countries. But My understanding yeah. is that, I mean, obviously, you, by other countries, I think you mostly are talking about Europe. Well, no, um, I meant anywhere. Well, because, because there are, um, I think there are some really big... Um, uh, regional differences that make Europe and the United States special and specific. Okay. So uh, Europe, it is very easy to move between different countries and get a different job. In yeah. the United States, it is very easy to move between states and get a different get job. job. And both Europe and the United States is very large. There is quite a difference between California and Arizona and Maine. Right. Yeah. So, but, okay. But I was so, also so interested in maybe what was happening in, you know, I mean, there's other India is a large yeah, Indi country. India is also large, and that's something China's I don't don't have as, and as I don't much have any of that data. Okay. All but right. if you are in, uh, let's just say, if you know, if you're in Israel, for example, yeah. just to pick a random country, it, it's a relatively small country um, but there are a lot of jobs and people might be switching i don't know oh people oh yes people very much might be switching jobs i'm not saying they're not that's what but i was the, kind of but the i am just gonna move cities like i can't work on my job anymore because i've moved to a thousand miles yeah, away yeah yeah uh, I think that it's a little more common that happens in some in europe well. and the united states because of gotcha. the ease of movement okay but I am again. This this is a little bit of speculation on my part. Okay, so, all right. So, if we talk about all this switching around, right? Uh, and actually, I'm not sure where to go. Where to go next <laughs> with this? Do you want to talk? I'm going to let you choose. 
Do you want to talk about uh, the idea of if you are an employer and you don't want people, you know, you're hoping to retain the people you have and not lose them. Do you want to talk about that? Or do you want to talk let's about... Stick, let's stick with on from an employee perspective. You want to do an employee perspective? No, okay. I, let, well, let's stick with it. And then we can work while. our way okay. backwards. All right. So then, so then my question is, I guess... This is, can I just say, this is, this is the intersection between microeconomics and macroeconomics. So micro, this is this is a very common trend in labor, in the way you'd analyze labor economic situations, is you figure out the variables and uh, functions for a single person. Yeah. Uh, and then you work your way backwards to discover the macro effects. Really? That's it's not that usually, is it usually done that way, micro to macro? Uh, that is what the Nobel Prizes go out for these days. I so. didn't. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, yes. Right. So well. So, but it, it makes sense, right? Macro uh, trends are only a result of micro decisions. I okay. Wait a minute. I'm gonna. I'm gonna challenge you on that. I'm gonna challenge you on that. People are switching. I mean, we don't know exactly why, but we could posit that one reason that people are switching is that there are a lot of opportunities and they are being approached. I mean, how many people, I know a lot of people that are being approached by other people, friends, especially recruiters about positions that they have open. But, you know, if you think about why are there all these positions open, right, you could talk about the whole, well, you know, because of the pandemic, the government infused a, a ton of money into well, the system. I mean, that would all be at a macro level. No, 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 no. I, I'm just talking about, ah, oh, man, I, I really don't want to get into this. Okay, don't, say, don't, don't. Imagine there's there's a trillion job openings. Yes. It only matters if individual people are making the decision to leave. Okay. All right. right? I, so that's so fine. all that's all fine. the changes are actually driven by one decision at a time. Okay. And so you so, compile those together. Do you want to? We're doing a do, terrible did job. You, <laughs> did you? Let's, yeah. Let's stick with let's stick with individual people. All right. Stick with the individuals. Why so, do people leave their job? Why do people leave their job? Okay. Are you asking me? Well, there are a lot of reasons, right? There are a lot yeah. of you know you could say variables or a lot of things. Well, the, okay. Let's talk about them. And let's talk about them from a human psychology perspective, because okay. that's that's let's move away from the economics. Okay. Do you want to okay. go first? Do you want me to go first? Uh, yeah, no, we'll we'll do sort of a round robin here. Um, so I, I'll pick um, I'll pick uh, mental models. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, people have a mental model of what their life ought to be, yes. of what their standard of living should be, yes. about the type of work that they should be doing yes whether that's um and and people will come up with all sorts of reasons why they you know i i need to be more creative in my job i you know i should be in charge i have all of this experience uh you know i i should be a manager by now i've been working here for forever right right, right. there's a whole mental model aspect but for whatever reason um people have a idea in mind of what the work is they should be doing and if their work is not meeting that expectation 
then they feel that there is a mismatch. They're, they're, at, at the very least, they're, they're more, even if they don't go looking, they're very open than when someone approaches them. And I think you're, I think this, you're right. And, you know, another way of thinking about this, because we talk about mental models a lot, but I also, you know, we also talk about stories a lot at right. Self stories, the stories that people have um, about who they are and why they're doing what they're doing and so on. And I think that because of world events and especially because of the pandemic and all the changes to work that that's happened and all the kind of existential thinking and that's made us all do, I think people's self stories have been changing. And when your self story changes, then you start to look at different aspects of your life and do that comparison, right? You know, wait a minute, is this, is this, you know, why am I doing this? Does this match what I think of myself? A lot of this going on unconsciously, right? Not always consciously. Um, so I think that all the changes in our work lives and in our personal lives and in our social uh, lives that we've that most people have gone through in the last couple of years is is having an effect on that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think the whole idea of expectations, <clears throat> like you you mentioned, people saying things like, "Wait a minute, at this point in my career, by now I should be doing this or that." Right? I think that or, has or, a huge effect. Or pay expectations. You know, I All right. know. All right, let's. Talk I know about how much the money our department is bringing the company every month, right? Like we bring yeah. in five million dollars in revenue every whatever, and they're paying us how much? Like we're like, you know, I, I run the studio, you know, I'm doing like without me, this whole thing would fall apart. Why am I not being compensated, you know, fairly? Um, just some more statistics, uh, uh, hires and um, uh, job openings and quits are at all time highs. Yeah. So I uh, you, you can you can continue. I will. I'll, I'll see if I can't find this. Um this graph for everyone. Well, and I think the the money part is interesting. You know, um, there's a book called Drive. Um, Uh-oh. And as soon as I said that, I forgot who the author is. So give me, I know who this author is. So give me a second and I'm going to uh, look it up so I can get this right. Daniel Pink. I don't know why I couldn't remember that. I love this book. It's called Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us. And um, one of my favorite books on motivation. And, you know, he talks in there about the fact that, you know, money, because I think we tend, we often tend, or at least when he wrote this book, which was uh, a while ago, I think, that he wrote it, we, we tend to think about jobs and automatically, you know, jump, he wrote it in 2009 and automatically jump to, um, you know, money. Well, that's what motivates people. Um, and, and absolutely money is a really important equation, right? Because there are a lot of jobs available 
And because there's a lot of moving around going on, there's a lot, there's money at stake. And I think uh, I know a lot of the people I, I know that have been interested in taking a new job. Uh, you know, one big reason for it is that they were offered a lot more money. Daniel Pink in that book drive talks about other factors besides money. And I want to get to those because I think those are really important. And Guthrie, you kind of alluded to them um, before because, you know, you were talking about the whole mental model and am I being appreciated and, and so on. And you just put, for those of you who, some of you are just listening to this podcast and you're not going to be able to see this, but for those of you who are watching on LinkedIn or on YouTube, um, Guthrie just put up this crazy graph this is, uh, this is from the Calculated Risk blog, my right. favorite economics blog, uh, for and sure. What and did, what did you want to point out on this? Uh, this is a lot going on here. This is from January 01 to January 2023. 20, wow. So this is 23 20 years, years of data. 20 yep. years of data. Okay. The, the blue indicates people quits. The, the dark blue line or the blue no, solid the, the, area? I'm starting the from bottom. the bottom and moving up. So right. the light, the solid light blue is quits. Is people quits. who quit. People so quit. we can see that. Um, well, just hold on. The, yeah. the red bar stacked on top of it is layoffs, discharges, and other people leaving. Yes. Okay. Right. Yes. So you stack those two together. That's the number of people who are leaving their job. Whether they quit or whatever laid reason. off or whatever. Okay. But then it breaks it down by reason. Okay. Right. So that's, that's one part of the graph. Yeah. The yellow line here is the number of job openings. Wow, look at that yellow line. Uh, I should just say in 2000 and we'll just say five, okay, there were 4 million um, job openings dipped to about 2 million. Is this in, in the, the US? Yes, in about you know 2009, Great Recession time. It's currently at 11 million. So wow. we've seen just an explosion in job openings. Uh, and then of course the blue line is hires. So the number of people who, have, who are being hired. Under the purplish time. blue line. Yeah, so as long as we ignore the strange bounce from the pandemic, uh, hires and quits and job openings are at basically all-time highs and layoffs, right. discharges, and other are at all-time lows, at least in this 20-year right. timeline. One other thing I will add is that yeah. um, it's really interesting when it's very, very rare that the number of job that there are more job openings than hires. Yeah, That's which we have a huge, and right true. now we have a huge discrepancy. Yes. Um, you know, usually people get hired uh, even if there's not a job open, job opening posted, if that makes sense, right? You're, yeah. uh, you know, friends are, hey, we're just going to hire someone. So people are right. getting hired without posting jobs officially. So yeah. if the number of listed job openings is is higher than the number of hires, that's an indication that of course the number of um, uh, that that they're that there's a they're having trouble filling the roles. Okay, all right. Can we? Oh, but can, I should just say just one last thing. The number what? of job openings got really high in 2019 before the pandemic. Before so there the are, there pandemic. are yes, there are factors at play here. Yeah, January 2019, you see seven million job openings and only five million hires. So there, there is just, and then it plunged in the begin in that kind of beginning sure. of the pandemic. The pandemic did a lot of really weird but stuff. But then it shot back up. 
Yeah, 13 million layoffs in March of 2020. It was yeah, a really yeah. weird time. But there are, so my point is, I think there are trends happening that were happening before um, the pandemic. Before the pandemic, but they just got it exacerbated. Oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting to see. Okay. Thank you. Can we, I want to switch and talk about two things on the employer side. Is that okay? Or do you want to talk some more about the employee side? Um. I do. I want to talk just a little bit more about the employees. Okay. Go ahead. Um, So there is also a cultural difference when it comes to the workplace. And I think it's really, people really underestimate how important culture is. And there is a culture of work that people do not talk about very often, about what is expected, about what work is. Like, why do we spend most of our lives going to a different place where they pay us money to do tasks? That's just how society works. I mean, I, there's no reason it has to be that way. Um, there have been many times in, in our previous history where that wasn't the way. In fact, America was founded on a system which was a lot closer to like a guild system where you worked at home or maybe there was a collection of people who sort of worked together um, or you had your own farm and you grew your own crops and, you know, you, you did some odd jobs to make some money, but it's not like you had a job, right? Yes. It's not like you had a career. You were just living on the prairie. That's sort of what you did, um, yeah. you know, and people who had jobs were specialists. Like I'm a teacher, I'm a preacher, you know, I'm a blacksmith. Um, but that wasn't, that was a small percentage. Of course, now everyone's like, well, you, you work. What do you do? What's this thing? But that... There are other um, significant cultural aspects that I think people don't talk about very often. Uh, for example, um, you know, older generations had a lot more loyalty. Corporations had a lot more loyalty to their employers. But this idea that I work for a company—sorry, employees. Thank you. There's an there were there was a there was maybe a mental model of I work for a company, and um, in some strange way, I want to compare this to basketball which is really because okay. been a shift. I'm waiting to hear what that is a shift in the last couple of years. So in the past you used to cheer for your team. Yes. Okay. Right. So like why, like who, who's, what's, who's your favorite to watch? You know, who, who, what basketball, you know, NBA do you watch? Don't do this to me. Yeah. And people would say, Oh, I'm a fan of the Boston Celtics. Right. Right. I'm a fan of the Chicago bulls. Right. They, 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 they're, they're, fans of the team that's and right. that's still that's still a case for sure um but what you see more and more especially among younger people is they're fans of players mm-hmm. they're like yeah i'm a fan i'm a lebron james fan i like luka Doncic. like so like they don't buy jerseys of the team they buy jerseys of their favorite players they follow their favorite players they watch basketball games where their favorite players play and when the players switch teams which is happening more and more and more they just switch they their switch, They go with the player. They go with the players. And so it's, it's, I think it's an interesting analogy because I think in the past there was maybe a thought of I am a blacksmith and I work at Blacksmith & Co. And this is, you know, like, what do you do? I'm a blacksmith at Blacksmith & Co. And I think the big mental model change has been I'm a blacksmith. And the idea that you work at a specific company um, I think has maybe shifted where it's like, no, De- I, you know, it def- the whole thing has definitely shifted. I, I mean, go, I move, I go wherever the 
are needed. I had a conversation yesterday with someone in which I said, you know, because I've been around in the workforce a while, I and I've done a lot of hiring over the years, and I remember, let's say, in the even as as recently <laughs> as maybe around, uh, you know, two thousand four, two thousand five. When you were hiring and you were looking at resumes, you would see people who moved like every two years, and we would say to each other, wonder what's wrong with this person that they're doing all this moving around, and it was a red flag. And now it's almost like the opposite. Like you see someone who's been somewhere for 10 or 15 years, and you say, I wonder what's wrong with this person. That they didn't go do other things, you know. It's it that has really been a, a huge a huge shift, uh, and I think it's a shift in everybody, it, not everybody's, but in many people's expectations and mental models of what a good work history is, and 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 so on. And you know, uh, you know, the, you and I sometimes joke about p- individuals we know who we'll see on LinkedIn. And and this was before all this recent switching happened. I mean, maybe the last five years, it'd be like, oh, there he goes again, you know, and he's like staying at a place for a year because he's got, you know, he's where he's at in his career and his skills, uh, he's considered valuable. And he can he can do that trading, trading up in terms of probably money, but also just in terms of role and impact and, it, you know, just trying out different industries and so on. So yeah, I agree with you that that whole um, that whole mental model has changed. I think it's, and I do think it's a generational change. And I do think it came, you know, a lot of it had to do with the Great Recession and the 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 breaking of of uh, trust, um, you know, with some of the large companies, with people who thought they were going to be there forever, and then. Um, they were often, you know, it was often the mid and high, high level managers that got cut. And so I, I think that has, I think that has all changed. I agree with you. And I think that expectations uh, are very different. Um, I think, you know, you were brought, you were bringing up this idea of the, the, the concept that you, you know, you, you, uh, go work for a company and you go to the company office. And um, I think that for many years that, uh, and not everybody's had that model, but many people did. And I think that there was a, that was a defining part of your life. I mean, you made decisions based on how long your commute was and how you commuted. And, you know, the car you bought depended on the kind of commute you had. And then you had all these social relationships. And also, you know, don't underestimate, we are creatures of habit. And so, you know, we're used to going into the office. And when that changed, you know, when so many people were not going into the office anymore because they were working from home because of covid I think that started to break down all of these mental models and all of these expectations. Um, And I think now the criteria, I think people are, um, 
you know, you could say, well, you know, are, is everyone ready to go back to the office? And I don't even know that it's a matter. I mean, a lot of people are, and a lot of people want to go back to the office and some people don't want to go back to the office, but I don't even think that's what's important. I think it's that the model has changed. The model is broken. The model is not the same anymore. The, the whole mental model that that's what work is, is not there. And whether you want to go work in an office or you don't want to go work in an office, suddenly the model is not set in stone anymore. And I think that has made people more willing to uh, consider other options than perhaps they were before. Guthrie, you've put up another chart. I've put up another chart. This is from Scott Granis. Um, so what this chart is, is it's... This corporate. goes from 1959 yeah. to 2019, pre-pandemic. Yes. And okay. it's corporate profits as a percentage of GDP. Okay. And I think that... I'm, I'm trying to explain this. Uh, I have a cat. Yes. My cat is not very smart. And like, like my cat doesn't understand, you know, economics or psychology. Yes. But my cat is very intuitive. Okay. Right? Like knows the patterns can identify, you know, I'm, you know, like when the gate closes, you know, the cat's set up because they know they can recognize the footsteps of someone coming home. Like they're, they, you know, they know, okay, if this is going to happen, this means dinner's coming soon. Yeah. So, so like, there's not necessarily like a logical understanding. Yeah. But there's like an emotional understanding of what's happening. That's, that's very accurate. Okay. I think, um, so what this chart shows is that for between the 60s and the 90s, um, the average corporate profits as a percentage of GDP were under 7%. Yeah. So if you think about all the, you know, how much, what percentage of GDP is being grouped into corporate profits again. So that's after everyone gets paid. Yeah. Um, they were bopping around in the four to 6% range for most of yeah. that line. It dipped over 7% here or there. Okay. Yeah. In the tech bubble in 99, 98, 99, yeah. it hit 7.5%. And then you get the recession. Okay. It goes down. In 2005, before the Great Recession, it hits 9%. Right. The highest on this chart. Okay. Then there's the Great Recession and it resets. And then in 2014, it hits 10.5%. Yeah. And even, and then it kind of settles down, but where it settles it's down to is 9%. Right. So, so this is before the pandemic, but it's probably, um, it's probably continued on this trend. The percentage of corporate profits as a percentage of GDP is historically much higher than it's been. And I think employ, employ, um, employees can feel this. I think they can feel that the company is doing well and they're not sharing the profits with them. And I think it's caught, they, like, I don't think people, like, understand it. Like, I don't think 
people maybe have like the, 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 it's not like they understand it logically. Um, it's not, but, it's like, but it, okay. But, that, but they like me, feel like I'm not being paid appropriately for all for like the, you know, how great things are going. Okay. All Something right. Like but of course, do they, why would they think the next company is going to do it? They, they, they don't necessarily believe the next company will either, but they're in their particular situation. They may get offered a lot more money. So that, yeah. So I just wanted to bring this up. This was, um, this was just, uh, it, it, this is, this is a very suspicious graph because people start switching jobs a lot, right? Yeah. When you start getting this leap in corporate profits as a percent of GDP. Yeah. Starting yeah. in the mid two thousands and continuing it on. Yeah, so yeah. maybe it's, I'm not saying it's a correlation and causation. Yeah, we thing. don't, right, right. We, don't, we know. don't know. But it is, to me, it's a little suspicious. All right. Um, all right. Let, yeah. let me just answer quickly your other question about yes. job hopping. And I'm, I'm yes. sorry for being windy, wordy here. Um, uh, economists would call this a friction point. Okay. Right? So like um, if you want to get, uh, if you want to change positions in a company, it's very hard because there's friction, you know, that takes an, imp there has something, this has to be an impetus to change, to, to get to, a promotion, to change. Yes. change a team, to do something else. Okay. And so normally corporate cultures are really stiff mm. and they can't do it. Mm. So where do you have that break, that release of friction? It's when you change jobs. Yeah, there you go. And, and you get to have a new role. You get to get promoted. You get to, you know. Yes, yes. Yeah. That, I so, think that's really significant. And yeah, because, and so I think people are treating the job changing as yes. the, to overcome the friction in most corporate environments. Yeah. I mean, you know, the status quo, and even if, even if the inside a company, they are recognizing that, yes, we've got to, you know, we, we're going to lose too many people. We've, we better, you know, give some raises. Everything is probably going to be done because you're doing it to a lot of people or you feel you need to, it's going to be done at a little bit, right? They, they, they're not going to be able to handle a lot of you know huge salary increases, but not just money. They're just a big changes and lots of promotions, like you say, right? These co companies are just not going to make gigantic changes fast and all at once. So if you are an individual and you are looking for large changes, maybe I want a different role, I want a, a larger role, I want more impact, and I want more money, right? Uh, and I want more vacation time. If I want if I'm an individual wanting all of these changes, you are absolutely right. The easiest path to get those changes is probably going to be to go somewhere else. Um, so I think you're right. I think people uh, are interested in change. Uh, I think people have been, you know, that mental model has been changing. And they've been reevaluating. And then you couple that with the fact that there is all this job, all these hires open that you showed on the other chart, then it's going to make it really easy for a, not everyone, but a lot of people to get some interesting offers and, and to make a jump. So I'm going to, I want to come back to the employer side. That's right. If you are an employer, if you are, uh, uh, you know, you, you and I do a lot of work with UX teams, right? user experience teams. If you're if you have a UX team in your company and you are the manager of the UX team and you don't want to lose any more people, 
is there anything that you can do to prevent losing people? So, um, yeah, we have uh, this, this, this person uh, is commented, flexibility and culture can trump money. And um, we, we should acknowledge that sometimes, uh, you know, money is, money is not money. <laughs> okay, Guthrie, okay. Uh, Guthrie, the economist. I think I know where you're going uh, with this. There's a fam- wanted- famous LeBron James, LeBron James quote where he says, two points is not always two points. Okay. And- well, do you, that's, I get that. <laughs> so do you want to tell us what you mean by money is not money? Is- Sometimes money is a, is a substitute for status. Um, it's a substitute. It can be substitute for a lot of things. Power or status. Power. Um, uh, appreciation. Appreciation. I appreciation, think that's a big one. Right? So um, I have heard so many friends of mine, why did you leave? They shorted us on our bonuses this year. They they gave me a, a 1% raise. And, you know, I, I was eligible for 6% and they gave me 1%. And that was the last straw, and that's why I left. Um, I was looked. I I was I I should have been promoted. I got looked over for the promotion. They didn't promote me. Um, that so often, a lot of a lot of people I know, that's that's sort of the straw on the back, and that's that is what pushes them to go look for a different job. Is they didn't get a raise. So, and, and, and you're saying that isn't, it isn't necessarily the money, but the money might be a symbol of something else. Like yeah. they're not sharing the profits with us, or they don't appreciate my work, or I don't, I'm not sure I have a future anymore at this company. I don't um, want to be stuck in the same job. I don't want to be forever. stuck here. So I, and I, so in all of, and in that way, all of these things are not necessarily what they seem. So it's not just money, but, you know, one of the things I talk a lot about is the, the feeling of, um, progress, right? People need to feel that they're making progress, that they're moving forward. Um, and that might be money, but it might be your, your title or your job role or the amount of responsibility you have um, uh, or the types of projects you get to work on or. But a real, and, and I think too often in the corporate world, there's this sense that really, really small changes are adequate and they're not. So like a really, so like if you really want to um, make people feel like they're making progress there really does have to be real progress. You know, they have to have a totally different day to day. Like they have to be getting 30% more salary. But how like do a you one know? and a half percent raise. How, how, all right. So different. whether, you know, I mean, whether a company can do that, whether they can do it with everybody is a, is one question. But even putting that aside, how do you know as a company how much is enough? You know, you're saying you can't just do this in tiny little increments right now. 
That's not going to, people will not feel that they're appreciated enough. They will not feel that well, um, you, you talked about progress. Yeah. Moving, making progress, right? A one per, you, you have to, there has to actually be a, a material difference. For How the, do the I know as a company, as this UX team manager, how do I know I'm going to go to my manager and I'm going to say, we can't afford to lose more people. It's going to be extremely <laughs> expensive. It's to, really expensive. to re. Well, no, but I'm saying it's going to be really, really expensive to try and replace them. So yeah. let's yeah, take a, that amount of time and effort and money and let's, you know, do do some things here but how do you know how much is going to be enough well you okay so there are a couple of things the first part is um managers are put in a really tough situation because you know they're told by their manager here's your budget for your team you you can get yeah you, know, you can on average, you have this much you can give in salaries. You know, it's a total yeah, of twenty five thousand yeah, dollars, and you get two percent to raises or whatever, right? And yeah. they're trying to make the best of what they can do. So uh, that's that's part of the hard time. Part of the hard part is middle managers are squeezed by upper management. Yes. yes. And so it's not always up to them, you know. And so then you know they're trying, right? It's not necessarily their fault, but there's, yes. there's only so much they can do. That's part one. Part two is I totally agree that. Uh, when people leave, it's really, really, really expensive. Uh, companies do not realize how expensive someone leaving is. It's really expensive to find a replacement, especially it's a good cost, replacement. And you're probably going to have to pay more for the person, new, new person. The um, When recessions happen, there's a concept I'd like to talk about very briefly called institutional memory. Yeah. Um, and it's really important. So when the recessions happen, a lot of like the goal of top economists is to retain institutional memory because it's so it's so expensive. You know, I have a friend who works in a very um, sort of customized uh, industry where there's a it's a small company. Like no one knows how to do the things that they can do. You know, like. There's a there's weird systems and processes and like where are the things stored in the in the Absolutely. storage? This happens in in big companies as well. You and, know? Yeah, and and like it you can't you can't just replace that. You know, yes. if everyone gets laid off, you can't just rebuild these systems because the systems it's not like a piece of machinery. You can't just buy a new one. You have to right. space. I think institutional spread. memory is a very big deal and the costs of yes yeah, very valuable so yeah so you know when you lose that it's really expensive so okay. then what do you, what do you do well the so okay there's a couple different ways and we're we're going to take it out of the hands of middle management because I, like i said okay sometimes their hands are tied you know there's yes. only so much you can do on the margins to make your teammates feel that they are you know appreciated you know yeah um so a, a couple things the first is figure out what actually motivates people because it's a spectrum you know you mean what motivates the, the particular people on your team yeah right like so so we we, we did some user testing for a, a company once for a lower level positions and 
you know, what motivates them? Is it to make more money? Is it to blah, blah, blah. And it was like, people hate this job and they want to switch jobs. That's what motivates them to do a good job. So they don't have to do it. They want it. Yeah. It was a really interesting piece of research we did. They, they wanted to stay with the company. Right. But they were in kind of an entry level job. They knew it was entry level and their goal was to get out of that entry level and into another job. And the, the company we were working with, they were trying to put in place these little uh, increase. Oh, let's do a, give a commission on this and the commission on that, assuming that these little and these these were small little bits of extra money would motivate them. And what we found out was, yeah, the money's great. That's not what I care about. What I care about is what is there. What can I do to get out of here and get and being like to a top, top salesperson which would get the perks. Like they were seeing an association between getting the perks. Was not going to get them out. Well, no, 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 it would. Yeah. Because that's who got out was like the people who were successful, right? So it's like, how can I show that I'm successful so I can transfer out to, you know, senior, more senior. Yeah, yeah. So knowing what actually motivates people is very important. So if there's a person who's like, I want to lead a project. Right. Right. Well, okay. Figure out how to get them to lead a project. If there's someone um, who, who you know, does want to, who, who's money motivated, whether it's because of status or whatnot, you know, uh, like figure out a way for them to be able to make more money. I mean, it's not in if in they, some ways, if, it's actually really simple. If they figure don't want to come back to the office every they day, they want it. Right. They'll come back twice. I want to spend more time week, with my kids. But I want, I want to, I like not commuting. I want to work from home. Even when you call everyone back, I don't, uh, you know, I'll come in twice a week. Um, I want more time off, more vacation yeah. or, yeah. you know, the ability to take more time off. Yeah, I think, I think it's, here's what I think. I think if you, I agree with you, you've got to, uh, so it's got to be a small group thing, an individual thing. You have to know and, uh, and ask people what's important to them so you know what's going to motivate them and it this is there's no easy fix for this and it's going to take a lot of time on your part to figure it out and it's going to take a lot a lot of money i mean it just is um so if you and that money meaning uh you know, it, it might not be ju- just salary. I mean, you know, there's money. If people take more time off, then you have to pay other people. Um, I, I think it's not going to be easy, but I think you've to just to just throw up your hands and say it's too difficult. We can't figure this out. We just won't do anything. You can take that road, but then what? But ultimately. You are going to spend as much or more time and money because you're going to have to figure out how to get the work done. You're going to have to replace those people. I mean, there's there's just no, there's not an easy way to do this. But I think you've got to dig in. And I think you, you also should not put the phrase, what, stick your head in the sand and say, oh, well, it's not going to, it's not going to happen here. You know, I know there's a lot of switching going on, but people here, you know, they're, they like being here and they may like being here, but you need to know everybody, especially if we're talking about in the field of UX and the, you know, kind of work we, our clients are in, they are all being recruited 
really heavily. Just assume, just assume that they are and try to be as flexible as you can. Uh, being rigid right now is going to hurt you in the long run. You know, if you, if you say, um, you know, everybody must come back to the office five days a week, uh, the, that dep- depends on depends on who who you who the people are and who the, what they're right. motivated to do. But I'm just saying, some for some people that might be a deal breaker. So just so, be willing to be flexible. Um, another way that you can do this is to ins- uh, institutionalize, uh, uh, you know, what Linda who just wrote a comment that, that self actualization institutionalize the. Few progress of moving up. Yes, so it, we have that. Yeah, for for the contractors we have, not even employees, just contractors. Uh, we have a tier system, and you know, if you're a college, you know, if you're basically, you know, just just in college or blah blah blah, you're you're tier one, and you know, it goes up to tier five or whatever, and each tier has, you know, is is a very big pay increase and you get to do more interesting work and uh, there's you know you're you you know you get to get to tier two or three and you get to start talking to clients directly and giving presentations and and you know we we try to have people grow their skills so that they can increase the tier Um, now that's good for us because if we have contractors who are growing and their tier goes up we get to bill higher rates you know so it all it all works out um, the client is happy because they're getting, you know, higher skilled people. Um, but keeping that cadence going is important. And especially in the early levels, it's, you know, it's it's important to jump up tiers. Like if you're in tier one, it should only take two, three years to get to tier two. And if you're in two tier, tier two, it should get, I don't know, three to five years to get to tier three. And there should be, you should be making twice as much money once you get to tier, tier three as tier one or three times as much money. So the, these jumps really, really should feel like jumps and they should feel like big changes. And if there's a way that you can sort of figure out how to do that um, to really make people feel that they're like really growing, um, that's, I think, I think that's important. Um, and a part of that is just paying people a lot more. Even if their job title doesn't change, if you slap a senior on it and you give them a 20% pay raise, they will feel appreciated, even if they're doing the exact same work. And that's, that's, that's I, I really do think it's a lot about feeling appreciated, feeling like they're part of the family, feeling like, hey, they want me to stay. They really, they are doing everything that they can to get me to stay here. And I think it's that feeling more than anything that's really important. And sometimes, yes, some big, rich company will come along and, you know, offer a bundle of money and the person just can't turn it down. And that'll happen from time to time. Um, But there's a lot of people I know who are, we'll just say, actively applying elsewhere. You know, after they feel that they were looked over, after they feel like their boss just doesn't think they do very much. I've been, I've had so many friends tell me if I left, everything would just fall apart. I've had many multiple friends tell me like I basically keep the entire place running. And it doesn't even matter if that's they true don't, or they not. They didn't give me a raise. But it doesn't matter if that's true or not. The fact that they feel that way means that they are 
much more likely to to jump. Yeah. So, so they they feel like they're like they're doing all this stuff to keep the lights on, and that the company's like, eh, leave. We don't care. Stay. Whatever. Um, and so they're like, fine. I will leave. Or or even if they don't feel that, even if they, I mean, I, I know some people who I don't think they would say their company is saying, oh, we don't care, you know, leave or stay. We don't care. But for a lot of people, they feel like their their manager or, you know, their group is saying to them, we do appreciate you, but we, we're not in a, we, I wish we could, right? I wish we could give you a different, you know, prom- I wish we could promote you. I wish we could give you more money, but but we can't. And uh, it's back to that rigidity. I think a lot of well-meaning companies do have, for probably good reasons, uh, these policies in place about what it takes to get promoted and what it takes to go to the next level. And I think what, what we're saying, Guthrie, is uh, if you don't want to lose a lot of people, rethink that. And at least for now, consider doing some radically different things. Uh, otherwise, yeah, you you're going to lose people now. Uh, and and we're we're almost well, out of time. We started late. We can go a little longer. But I want to say a f- one other thing, which is uh, that flip side of this is um, even if you did all the things we're saying you should do, even if you. Uh, really did some research and found out what your the individuals on your team want and need to feel like they're making progress, to feel like they're moving forward, to feel that they're appreciated. Even if you did that, uh, you are going to lose some people. The chan- chances are. And so just if, if there's anything you can do to get ready for that, to prepare for that, you know, if you're not used to having to um, always be, uh, you know, recruiting, always be um, uh, looking for new people, uh, bringing in recent graduates, um, deal, paying attention to your whole onboarding because you may have to do it and you may have to do it more than you're used to. And do you have good onboarding paying attention to your institutional memory? Okay. What if you did lose X percent of your current team? You know, are you, are you prepared for that? What's your infrastructure like for the, the things you, you need to be captured and remembered? I would suggest you spend some time and energy on that as well. I don't think there's any way to get through all of this turmoil without having to invest time and money one way or the other. Um, So by the way, if people have questions, I know people are watching, if people have questions, they can write it in uh, the chat, either on LinkedIn or YouTube and we'll... Yeah, we've had some good... um, We'll maybe answer some of them. We've had um, some good comments. There is one other thing I want to add, which is yes. we've been assuming that companies are good actors. There's a lot of bad actors. And I'll tell right, you well, what are the these bad are actors two, These are two real stories that I have heard from friends of mine. What? One was um, I had a friend who was on a team, and um, there was someone on the team that everyone else did not like. Yeah. And the... There was a promotion 
and the manager yeah. promoted that person, the worst performing person, Why? just to get them out so that they didn't have to deal with them anymore. Oh, well, that that happens all yep. the time. There's and when the person, that. my friend, found out from the from the manager that, that yeah, we, oh, we looked yeah. you over for the promotion because I just we didn't want to get rid of you. this guy. Just he was so over it. He was so okay. over it. Do you know there's a name for that? Yes, there is. I couldn't remember. That's something. The Peter effect. Principle. Peter Principle. Is that what I mean, it is? I, I don't know where the name comes from. And I, I, that's been around forever. Ever. I remember seeing that a, a long time ago. Uh, there was a company I worked at, my first big corporate job ever, a very long time ago um, in Boston. And um, that was just a well-known fact. It was like you would have someone in your department who wasn't any good, was obnoxious, or just didn't do good work. And the easiest way to get rid of them is encourage them to apply for um, a promotion in another department and then give them a great recommendation and so that they you could get rid of them. And so what ends up happening is these not good people rise to the top yeah, they, they of fail, the management forward, right? structure. And so now you have a corporation where everyone at the top is because the people who are good at their jobs they can't afford to right and this would actually happen the people that were good would not get a good recommendation from their manager because they didn't want to lose them it was just a terrible corporate culture i'm telling you so that's that's the worst i'll tell you another tell you another story what on on a on a big policy uh big company uh who had a lot of um corporate wide incentives so if the company does really well, they give these big bonuses, you know, five, yeah. six, eight percent um, yeah. at the end of the year, the fiscal year. And this company, whose name I will not name. Okay. Like the day before the fiscal year closes, they had a good year, takes a huge accounting loss for some Yes, reason. of course. Uh, so we'll, that we'll they didn't have a good the year. Revenue yeah, right. or something. And it was just enough to get it under the threshold so they didn't have to give bonuses to to their employees. Okay, so, yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, so you're going to do that kind of crap. What what are we doing? People are going to go take another job. You know, how how am I supposed to feel appreciated when literally upper management is seeming to keep money out of the hands of their employees? Some companies are not interested in keeping people and not interested in having people feel appreciated, and that's just the way it is. Well, but so, they never say that. No, but you, if one, it, it's true. Some companies are like that. All the companies All right. are like, we love you. We take care of our employees. Well, they say that, but they yeah, don't they necessarily say mean it. All right, Guthrie, uh, this, this topic was a little different than our usual topics, um, okay. but I just had it on the top of my mind. I'm glad, I'm glad we talked about it. We should uh, talk about can, like nachos next time or something. No, we're not. Uh, we could, I guess, but- what we probably have some announcements we need to make. Um, I know I have some. Do you have some? Uh, we might be in Europe in October and November. We might be in Europe in October and November, uh, which is so exciting because it's been so long since we've been anywhere. Um, so if you are in Europe and uh, or the UK, and you are do a in, workshop and you want us to do a workshop or speak at your event, please reach out to us because we'd like to bundle these together. So when we travel 
uh, over there. We, you know, we like to see if we can put together a bundle of things. So let us know if you're interested, if you might want to host us for a workshop or a, a talk. That's one thing. Another thing is, um, we, was we, cause we just, we've been having a bunch of planning meetings. And so we are, uh, booking workshops, um, uh, on various topics. Uh, so if you, in, in, uh, not just over in Europe, but in the, in the U S especially if you're interested either in person or virtual, uh, we're planning out our teaching schedule for the rest of 2022. So if you think you might be interested in having us give a workshop, please reach out for that or speaking. I know there's, you know, conferences are kind of getting back up, some of them in person maybe for the fall. Um, let's see. I wanted to also mention um, that, uh, well, no, maybe I, Maybe that's it. Do we have any others that you can think of? Things, announcements? I guess that's enough. Huh? If you have questions or comments, the best way to reach us is... Info at theteamw.com. Info at theteamw.com. And if you have ideas about um, things you'd like us to tackle in the podcasts, uh, let us know. This podcast is available on LinkedIn Live. It's available on YouTube, streams live on YouTube. And it's also available as an audio podcast. Uh, it's called Human Tech, Human Space Tech. Uh, at any of the again, business. if you're listening to this, you already know. Yeah, but you might not know that you could listen on. That's uh, true. If someone shares your podcast it. platform, yes, if someone shares it, then uh, then you would know. Godfrey, thanks so much, and thank you everyone for tuning in and for the comments that you left and so on. And uh, we'll see you next time. We're on every Wednesday, noon central time. See you Bye. Soon. Bye. Bye.